calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good morning, everyone. This is Trevor Van Winkle, and you're listening to the Homestead on the Corner Writing Podcast. Welcome back to the Homestead on the Corner Writing Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first two episodes. Now, this is the first episode which I hope to be more educational than perhaps entertaining, where I hope to talk about some important concepts in writing and share my opinions on them. Now, I'm going to start with the same qualifier I gave in the introduction episode. Everything I say on this podcast is really just my opinions about writing, what I've gleaned from reading several different sources and learned by simply doing. I don't have an English degree, and the closest thing I have are a couple of screenwriting courses. Still, I hope that what I'm going to share today can help you in some way, and even if you don't like the techniques and metaphors I use for the writing process, I hope that you can use them in some way, or that they might be useful somewhere down the line. Now for this first episode, I should probably tackle some small, easy-to-digest topic. That's why I'm going to start by talking about three of the biggest elements of writing. Plot, character, story, and the relationship between them. Yeah, maybe I'm biting off a little bit more than I can chew. But with what I'm hoping to share and hopefully teach with this podcast, I think it would be best to start general, then move to specifics. That's why I started with that introduction to my own history as a writer and as a person, to help explain where I'm coming from. Now I hope to explain more of my general philosophy in terms of writing, before moving on to more practical and technical episodes. Now, there might be a little bit of confusion in the terms I'm using. I'm going to explain exactly what I mean by character, plot, and story later on in the episode, but I want to clear up one quick definition before I get started. When I'm saying story, I don't necessarily mean the storytelling work as a whole, in terms of the complete book, screenplay, audio drama, script, whatever. When I'm referring to that, I'll use the term narrative. Now that, technically speaking, might not be the most exact term to use, but I hope that keeping story and narrative separate and clearly defined will allow me to better explain what I mean by story and talk about it in a more exact manner. Now, without further ado, let's talk about what I'm going to call the story triangulum. Character, plot, and story. Now, I think it should be fairly clear what I mean when I say character, but I want to provide an exact definition to it before I move on. 
When I talk about character, I'm talking about the people, beings, forces, animals, etc. that are capable of shaping the narrative by conscious thought and action. In terms of the classic who, what, when, where, and why structure of journalism, characters are the who, the people involved, the individuals whose actions shape the course of events. Now I've broken down what I consider to be the most important parts of character design in your narrative into four key concepts, which I'm going to talk about now. Personality, singularity, agency, and history. By personality, I'm not necessarily talking about making all your characters quippy or sarcastic or rebellious. I'm simply talking about the simple state of being a person in the most technical sense of possible. This just means your characters need to be individuals with unique opinions, experiences, and flaws that shape their choices. Every choice you've ever made is shaped by your past or your beliefs, and often the two are intertwined. Be sure to keep that in mind when designing your characters to make sure that they are actually people, rather than mouthpieces of philosophy or cardboard cutouts or caricatures. The second important element of character design, especially when designing your cast of characters as a whole, is singularity. By this I mean ensuring that each of your characters is different enough from every other character to be separate. Let me break this down. If two characters are faced with the same tough, virtually impossible choice, how will they respond? Really think about it. If two characters placed in the exact same scenario will react in exactly the same way, then perhaps those two characters aren't really two characters at all, but simply one character with two different sets of characteristics applied to them. Let me take this opportunity to explain something very important. The difference between characteristics and character. Character is who a person is. Characteristics are what a person is. Oftentimes these can be terribly confused. People think that simply describing a character in a certain way, physically, is the same thing as creating their character. It's not. It's just characterizing them. It's the wallpaper, not the house. If you try and make a house out of wallpaper, it's not going to go well when it rains. Related to this is the idea of character collapsibility. If, as I said, you have two or three or more characters that will all react in the same way to the same situation, then perhaps all those characters should be collapsed into one. Or perhaps two, if you can differentiate them. If you feel you have to have a certain number of characters, or you feel incredibly attached to a certain set of characteristics, then you have to change the personality of one character enough to be different from the other. The third concept related to character that I want to discuss is agency. What I mean by giving your characters agency is knowing them well enough to understand what choices they would make in any given situation and allowing them to make those choices genuinely. Now, in many ways, this is the most difficult and also the most rewarding part of writing your characters. Oftentimes, this can seem to spin your narrative off of what you wanted it to be in the first place. Now, there are plenty of times when writing the Graceland Tales, and especially my most recent work in progress, where characters did things that surprised me. I used to scoff at the idea that characters would make their own decision. I used to have an incredibly high view of the author as a controller. But then I came to realize, if you don't genuinely know your characters and give them the freedom to act in ways that are genuine and truthful, your narrative is just a lie, and your characters are just an extension of that lie. If you want it to be genuine, if you want your narrative to breathe and have life, then your characters must be allowed to act, sometimes contrary to your wishes, but never contrary to their own character. Finally, when writing characters, it's incredibly important to remember they all have a history. Unless you're writing about a newborn baby, and probably not even then, 
Your characters will be damaged and shaped by their past. This is a simple element of character building that's incredibly powerful. Knowing the history of your characters, even if none of that history is on the page, will help you determine how they would likely react in any given circumstance. This feeds back into giving your characters agency and personality. A character with a past is easy to understand and relate to, even if we don't necessarily know that whole past. If they act genuinely out of a consistent history, even the reader will be able to sense that there is something deeper behind that character than what meets the eye. Next, I'm going to talk about the role of plot in your narrative. Now, here's where the definitions are going to get a little fuzzier. Plot, story, and narrative are oftentimes used interchangeably, and understandably so. Most of the time, it seems like they're talking about the same thing. But I want to use them in a more technical sense in this podcast. So here's what I mean by plot. Plot is the what, when, and where of your story. It's the series of events caused either by characters or impersonal forces that move the narrative from beginning to end. Though oftentimes the term plot gets a bad rep in the writing community, there isn't a novel in the universe that doesn't have a plot, simply because, in the way I'm using the term, every novel is a series of things happening. The structure of those things is irrelevant. The fact that there are events occurring within the narrative means there's a plot. Here I'm just referring to the general flow of events within a narrative. Now plot is incredibly complicated, and there are lots of tangents I could go on here, but I'm going to try and stay focused here, again, on four main elements of plot design in a narrative. These are logicality, causality, directionality, and formality. And yes, I am kind of torturing these lists just to make sure they all end in itty, but hopefully that will help make this somewhat easier to remember. Now the first element I want to talk about is logicality. That is, the degree to which events follow an expected cause and effect structure. Actions within the narrative are followed by an appropriate consequence, either good or bad. The relationship of one event to another in the plot can be understood in a rational framework. Now, this isn't the same as meeting character or audience expectations. Quite the opposite. As Robert McKee says in Story, it's incredibly important to keep the gap between expectation and reality widening throughout your story. A character hopes to accomplish something with one action, but instead receives a setback. A character hopes to move forward towards their goal through a certain action, but instead is met with indifference or antagonism by the world around them. This is the traditional source of conflict that drives narrative. However, as it refers to logicality, even when the consequences of an action don't meet the character's or the audience's expectation, the audience or reader can understand why that consequence occurred. Or perhaps they can't. Perhaps you're writing a narrative that is intentionally designed to be surreal or absurd, where actions don't follow a traditional causal structure. That's okay. That's in service to your story. The next element of plot I want to talk about is causality. Who, or what, is the primary creator of change within your narrative? Is it personal forces in the story, or impersonal fate? Are disasters and miracles occurring that change the course of your narrative, or is everything driven by the actions of people? Dramatic and life-changing events resulting from seemingly impersonal, uncaring forces such as nature or the universe itself often occur in life. However, they often read as unrealistic or cheating in the narrative, especially if those events help the characters towards their goals. The term deus ex machina springs to mind, a term derived from Greek theater where, at the end of many plays, actors portraying gods would be lowered onto the stage via pulleys to solve all the characters' problems. 
Now, the reason this reads as cheating to a lot of modern readers is that they know, or at least suspect, that seemingly random events in the plot were put there by the writer. Now, these events might have come unexpectedly to the writer in the process of creating the narrative, but even so, it will seem to many readers like the author is stepping in as a personal agent within their story. Now, this can be done intentionally to break the fourth wall, and with certain narratives, again, this will work. It all depends on the story you're telling. But just be cautious of that when crafting your plot, and make sure you're not acting too much as the god from the machine. The third element of plot design I would like to talk about now is directionality. By that I mean the degree to which the plot moves from start to end in the most direct way possible. Now every plot, in order to be interesting enough to hold a reader's attention, has to have challenges that provide setbacks that keep the characters from reaching their goals. However, many plots take a branching, meandering approach towards that goal, while others move towards it with laser-like focus. For a good example of direct plots, look to most action movies. In many cases, there are tense, 90-minute march straight towards the goal. Every action the characters undertake is an attempt, at least, to move towards the goal directly. However, in more sprawling and branching narratives, Characters might circle goals, move away from them, change goals, disregard goals, return to their goals, and only in the end do they move directly towards them. I must sound like a broken record by now, but once again, the directionality of your plot will be determined by the story you're trying to tell. Will it be a one-step-forward, one-step-back type of plot? Will it be a two-steps-forward, then one-back? Or three, then one? Or one, then three? How many setbacks will there be, and how severely will they affect your character's progress? Will there be red herrings, twists, complications? How many directions will the characters try to go in order to achieve their goal, or even to move away from it? All of these questions help to shape the directionality of your plot, and in many ways help determine the pacing that you want to achieve. The final element of plot I want to talk about is formality. By that I mean, how structured is the narrative? Is it shaped by... Act structure? Do characters' needs and goals shift and change in ways that conform to tradition? Is there the traditional rising and falling action? What's the pattern of positive plot change versus negative plot change? Basically, by formality, I mean, how closely does your plot adhere to the traditional structures that most people are accustomed to reading? This isn't to say that your plot needs to be formal. In fact, it could be all over the place if that's what your story demands. And yes, I'm on about story again. And on that note, I think it's past time that I finally determine what I mean by story. Now, when I talk about story, as distinct from narrative, the complete work, and plot, the string of events that make up the narrative, what am I even talking about? It might seem like there's nothing left that might be referred to as story. Story is the central concept of the narrative the change towards which the plot moves characters, and the big idea that shapes all choices when writing. In essence, it's the answer to the question, what's it about? It's the why of your narrative. Now, there are a lot of things that can be folded into the idea of story, but that's because I feel like story, in the sense of big story, is not a very definable or precise thing. There's something mysterious and perhaps metaphysical about it. It's what comes out of that blinding flash of inspiration. With many narratives I've written, it seems like the entire story comes to me in a single flash. I see in it bits and pieces of characters, images, 
a progression, and a central idea that will define the rest of the work. Sometimes I've even had entire plots just come to me, at least in terms of the big events of beginning, middle, and end. That's why I fold all of these different things into the term story. It's the center line from which everything in your narrative is built. It's not the building itself, or the furnishings, or the lot, but it is, in the end, what defines every other line in the house. Now, I'm going to talk about four main elements of story that I consider important. Now, in the way that I've defined story, you can't really control many of these elements. You should keep an eye on them, and where there are slight tweaks you can make without betraying the story you received, feel free to do so. You're not a complete slave to that inspiration, so long as you're true to the story itself. Now, the four concepts I want to talk about are unity, complexity, originality, and reality. Now, when I talk about unity, I'm talking about the way in which the ideas and themes within the story come together to create a singular effect in the narrative. A lot of the times, it seems when stories come, they come as complete packages of interconnected ideas, and oftentimes the unity is already there. The brain likes to draw comparison to things that are alike, perhaps not similar, but things that share some common bond with one another. The human brain is essentially a pattern recognition machine. Because of this, it intuitively grasps connections that seem illogical, but through the course of a narrative, and through the power of story, can be united into something incredibly powerful. Now on the other hand, we have complexity. The degree to which different elements of the story counteract each other, subvert expectations, challenge one another, and create a compelling reflection of the complexities of reality. We don't live in a world where everything is neat and tidy, and where things that should stay together do. Every day, we're exposed to more sensory information than we could possibly process in 20 lifetimes. But our brain filters that out and presents us with a semi-logical portrait of reality. Even with all that filtration and logic applied, the world in which most of us live is not a terribly coherent one. Things are complicated. Bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people. There's beauty in things that are intellectually repellent. And things that should, by all definitions, be beautiful can strike us as cloying or pretentious or overdone. People and cultures are shaped by such different experiences that the interactions between them seem illogical or impossible, and oftentimes end in tragedy, or vice versa. Two groups or two people who have no reason to come together find themselves united by some unexpected common bond or experience. Life is complicated, and your story should reflect that in some way or another. Now the next element I want to talk about is something that's incredibly difficult to achieve. Originality. Sometimes it seems impossible to tell an original story. It seems like there's nothing new under the sun. It seems like every story has been told in every genre, with every theme, and every message. So why bother? Why not exactly imitate the most successful stories you know and move on with your life? But this is an extremely cynical approach to storytelling in one I don't necessarily hold to. Yes, when browsing the bookstore shelves, it might seem like there's no chance that you will ever find an original story to tell. But the fact of the matter, impossible as it is to believe, is that no one on Earth, in all of human history, has had the exact same experiences as you. No one else has the exact same perspective as you. It comes back to what I talked about in terms of complexity that there's too much information in the world for all of us to take in all of it. Though people in the same cultures or social groups might see very similar worlds, every one of them sees a slightly different reality. 
And if you don't believe every person you meet on the street, including yourself, is a unique paradox and an incredibly unique collection of beliefs, traits, and experiences, then really, do we have any business being writers? If you don't think people are fascinating, and you don't think the world created by their interactions is worth exploring, then why are you writing? And especially if you don't think that you have a unique perspective, completely different from every person who has ever lived or ever will, then why do you think people would ever care to read it? Understand this. You are an original. And because of that, you can be original. The last element of story I want to talk about today is reality. Now by this I don't mean realism, and especially not gritty realism. If you grew up watching the films of the early 2000s, you're about sick to death of gritty realistic reboots. When I talk about reality and story, I'm talking about the degree to which your story reflects some true aspect of existence, or the deeper reality behind it. While I'm not necessarily talking about realism, it does have a lot in common with the idea of emotional realism, where characters react in realistic ways to perhaps fantastical events. Reality within your story is the resonance of your story. It's the part of universal human experience that your story seeks to explore, and the way it directly touches your reader. Now, I know I'm getting into somewhat dicey territory when I talk about the universal human experience, and I don't want to dwell on it too long. Like I said before, every single individual on Earth is unique. Every single person in human history sees a slightly different Earth than the next. And I don't necessarily mean by universal human experience a single experience shared by the entirety of the human race. I simply mean ideas and experiences that are shared by a large number of people, or even a small but very connected group. This is why stories are able to connect people to one another, why there are massive online fandoms for books, movies, and television shows that touch on something deeper than simply the material of the story. Stories that contain concepts and ideas that are so resonant with a certain group of people that they will invest a certain amount of their identity into that story and see it as a means of connection with other people. The presence or absence of reality within a story in many ways determines whether that story will be remembered after the narrative has been consumed, and it determines the effect that it will have on the reader's experience in life moving forward. Now that I've defined my three elements of narrative separately, I'd like to talk about the way in which they interact to form a complete whole. Now, since there's three elements, I'm obviously going to go with some kind of three-sided visual picture. Unfortunately, it seems like every sensible way of talking about that has already been used up. Robert McKee already laid claim to the story pyramid, and everyone remembers learning story triangles in middle school, so I'm going to have to be a little bit extra and call mine the story triangulum. It's kind of a stupid term, I know, but I kind of like that it's named after our constellation. And since this is my podcast, I'm going to go for it. So basically, if you'll just envision a basic triangulum, just go with it, with story as the base, and plot and character as the two sides moving upward. Based on this, it's easy to see that I consider story as the foundation of the triangle, while plot and character lean against each other to support the other. I think this is a pretty good way of describing my philosophy of how the three elements interact. In terms of plot and character, they both are dependent upon one another. In any novel, plot will in some way be determined by the actions of the characters, 
and the character's actions in turn will in one way or another be determined by their reactions to events in the plot. This is based on one of my favorite quotes about writing from F. Scott Fitzgerald, who said, Character is plot, and plot is character. It's important to remember that when I say character, I'm also referring to the antagonist of your story. A lot of the times, big plot events, especially negative ones, come as a result of the villain's actions. And because of that, these big plot events, despite seeming to come at random, are also the result of character choices. For example, in Star Wars, the destruction of Alderaan is a massive plot point that completely changes the goals and stakes of the story for the protagonists. However, one of the strengths of George Lucas's screenplay is that he makes the plot point a direct result of one character's choice, specifically Tarkin's. Additionally, the rest of the main plot spins out as a result of choices that the main characters make. Using this example, it's easy to see how plot can be formed only from character actions, and in many ways how character choices are determined by plot events. The degree to which one leans on the other will depend on your genre and preferences in storytelling, but they will always, to one degree or another, influence and inform the other. And with your story, or the core idea of your narrative, as the foundation of it all, informing the choices you make in terms of plot events and character choices, the three elements can exist in harmony and produce a complete and compelling narrative. Another metaphor I like for the relationship between the three elements is a little less visual, but a little more personal. Any narrative that you create is in some ways a living, breathing thing that exists independently of you. Sure, it came from you, but it also has a life of its own. And like you, it has a body, a mind, and a soul. The mind, the rational and logical part of your story, is the plot. The body of your narrative, the thing that acts and influences and moves within the world, is the characters. And finally, the soul, the thing that animates both the mind and the body, is the story. Now I know that some people will disagree with me on the existence of the soul at all. If it exists, it can't be detected or quantified or observed directly. But ignoring its existence and thinking we're just mind and body leads to a rather materialistic, empty existence. A type of existence that, fittingly enough, would often be called soulless. And the same is true of story and narrative. If you ignore the idea of story in your writing, you'll end up with a vapid, empty shell of a product, rather than a narrative. There will be no animating principle, no deep idea underneath it all. You'll have a narrative that you might call story, but really isn't, because there's nothing behind it. There's no heart, there's no soul. The mechanics of the plot might be great, and the characters might be interesting and deep, but without a story underneath it all, all the complex plots and compelling characters in the world can't save your narrative. Now, as I've said before, my philosophy of writing is story above all, or in this case, underneath all, as the foundation. All three elements have to be kept in balance, but that balance will ultimately be determined by the story you want to tell and what will serve it best. And really, this is highly subjective. You and I could be trying to tell the same story, but each of us would write it in a different way, with a different emphasis on plot or character, or different types of plots and different types of characters. And that's okay. There is never a single perfect way to write a story. You might perhaps get close to what you think it might be, but perfection, like Neil Gaiman says in his Eight Rules for Writing, is like chasing the wind. Eventually, you have to finish your work and move on to something else. Your narrative will never reach perfection, unfortunately. But if you listen to your story, really, genuinely listen to that thing that you found that started you on this path, then perhaps you can get pretty darn close in the end. 
Well, I think I've been talking for just about long enough. I hope this episode has been helpful, and I hope that talking about some of these elements of narrative, along with the balance between them, will inform some of your choices moving forward as a writer. If you have more questions or just want to talk about this episode, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Trevor underscore VW, or on my blog at homesteadonthecorner.wordpress.com. If you also want to check out my published works and see what I mean by finding the balance between plot, character, and story, then visit graislandtales.com. That's G-R-A-Z-L-A-N-D tales.com. There'll be new episodes of this podcast every week, hopefully released every Monday morning. Some of them will be audio dramas, like last week's episode, or discussions of writing topics like this. If you want to suggest a topic for an episode, drop me a line at one of those social media outlets I mentioned. That's about all I've got for today. From the homestead in the corner, have a great day, and keep writing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.